Welcome to the Bloody Aussie Battler with your host, Mike Holt. Hello again, Peter. Hello, Mr. Holt. How are you? I'm pretty good, mate. Welcome back. It's pretty good, too. Now we're going to talk about the procedure on how to implement a civil invoice. So, Peter, what is a civil invoice? How does it work? Blackstone's commentaries said that when you participate in society, part of the invisible contract, but it's a contract between you and the Crown, you agree to abide the Constitution and the ordinances of the state in which you live. A statute is a contract of record. So if you break a statute, then you render yourself liable instantly to an invoice for debt. And the invoice for debt is based upon Section 4B of the Crimes Act 1914, which sets out a formula where you can convert a term of imprisonment to a liquidated penalty, a pecuniary penalty. Now, this is really important because by Section 64, Judiciary Act 1903, the Commonwealth and each of the states is in law no different to an individual. So they can be charged on a civil invoice with a breach of contract when they breach their own statute law. And this was used by a fellow called Scott Bartle from Fremantle to persuade the Customs Department to release his car, which they'd impounded on him, which he was importing from America. But it's a very interesting technique, and it's fallen into disuse because I don't think lawyers like it very much because it basically does an end run on the courts. And once you've calculated the amount owing, for example, a breach of Section 43 of the Crimes Act 1914, which is attempting to pervert the course of justice in respect of the judicial power of the Commonwealth, which, by the way, almost every judge and magistrate in Australia has been doing regularly since 1972, particularly since 1996, when the cable principle was established. Now, the cable principle is... That Section 79 of the Constitution says that if there's a dispute between Australians, it must be resolved in a court without a capital C on it and judges, which is a plural word, without a capital J on it. And how many would be them? It says as Parliament prescribes, but Parliament has not prescribed the number of jurors for a civil jury, so by default it's got to be the same as for a criminal jury because under Article 14 of the International Covenant on Civil Political Rights, all persons are equal before the law. So all persons are entitled equally to trial by jury, the same as a serious criminal is. Okay, so what would be the minimum number of judges? 12, 12, 12, the same as a jury. You need 12 judges and 12 men and women as a jury. No, a single judge presiding, a capital J judge presiding, but the judges, the little J judges who actually make the decision gotcha. are jurors. Gotcha. Now, this, this implements the spiritual side of the law, which sits above even the common law. The constitution, common law, the spiritual side sits above that because when you've got two or more gathered together, the spirit of Jesus Christ is with them. So that's the spiritual side. 
And, of course, God Almighty knows that that's what a verdict is. A verdict is a finding of the truth, V-E-R-D-I-C-T. Verify derives from a Latin root meaning truth. Verity. Verify. Yes, verify comes from verity, truth. Yeah. Right. Can you tell us the formula for calculating the penalty, please? It comes out of 4B of the Crimes Act 1914. It's a number of years, the maximum term of imprisonment, which in the case of Section 43 of the Crimes Act 1914 is 10 years, That's multiplied by five penalty units per month. And that, say it's 10 years jail by five by 12. So 600 penalty units. And a penalty unit today is $222. But on Monday, the 1st of January, 2023, it goes up to $275. So I'd say every judge and magistrate in Australia should have a bit of a look at himself when he goes to have a shave on Monday morning of the new year and think, I think I better start sitting with juries. Right. and implement a civil invoice? Anyone. Anyone who's aggrieved by a breach of the law. Now, for example, if you go before a magistrate and you say, excuse me, Mr. Magistrate, the cable principle says you can't sit as an individual person, but you must sit with a jury. And he says, no, that doesn't happen in my court. But it's not his court, it's our court. Mm. And in our court, the Constitution must be obeyed. Now, if he doesn't obey it, then he commits two crimes. One is under 268.12 Criminal Code Act, 1995, which gives very big teeth to the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, particularly Article 9, which says that no one can be subjected to arbitrary judgment by anyone else. Now, how far yeah. back can we go, Peter? Because I've been before a couple of magistrates in the past 12 months and a couple of judges, and they have all sat without a jury. How far back can we go? Two years, 10 years, 20 years? 
No, there's no statute of limitations on anything more than six months imprisonment. So in other words, somebody who was convicted by a magistrate two years ago is liable. Well, the magistrate's liable, yes. Good. Okay. So the, the chickens are going to come home to roost. Oh, boy. Are they ever. All right, that's good to know. Now, what sort of preparation do we need to create this invoice? First of all, you give your name or who you are, who you're raising the invoice against because they've committed a crime. Then you put an invoice number and a date on it. Then you put an extract out of Blackstone's commentaries on the laws of England, backed up by Sir William Holdsworth's tome. Holdsworth died in 1944, so it's very relevant. It's not old law. It's not ancient law that nobody knows anything about. Not that they're teaching our lawyers about this in university. They're turning out basically half-educated lawyers. And, of course, lawyers say that couldn't be right. It is right. And that's what I say. Their pigeons are going to come home to roost. That's usually the ones I've seen. They put that on as a whereas whereas is a statement of fact, right? Then they outline the offence alleged, the penalty that accrues for a breach of that offence. And in, in the case of a magistrate who sits without a jury, that's two offences. One against 268 12 Criminal Code Act 1995, and the other one against Section 43 of the Crimes Act 1914, which was enacted in 1914, to ensure the integrity of the judicial process. Every judge and magistrate in Australia has been disregarding that since Mr Whitlam decided to reform Australia without a referendum. So the, what I see here is a big problem with the courts, because if we file these, what likelihood is there that the courts will even activate these things? That's a very big problem, but there is a solution. Once you've sent the invoice, you then send a reminder after 28 days and give them another 28 days. In Queen Victoria's Letters Patent 1900, a justice of the peace has the same power as a judge in court. Mm. So if you get two justices of the peace together and get them to witness your affidavit of debt, that then becomes a debt that's enforceable, can be entered on the Personal Property Securities Register handed to a get collector to collect or otherwise enforced. And in oh, Queensland in particular, the Supreme Court will accept a proceeding to enforce a breach of statute invoice. They've already done that for me, so we know that will. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. So let me just re reiterate the procedure. The first thing we do is write out an invoice detailing the laws that have been broken, the penalty, and the liquidated penalty in dollars. We then send that to the person who has breached the law against us. If they ignore it after 28 days, we give them 28 days to respond. We then send them a reminder with another 28 days to respond. If they still fail to respond to that, then we write an affidavit using the same text on the invoice and cite the relevant laws they have broken and the penalties, and we calculate those penalties. Then we go and find two JPs. I found my two JPs at the local court, and when they read the affidavit, they were delighted to sign it. So I got them to sign it, and then I sent that to the offender. 
and gave them another 28 days to respond. So we give them 28 days so that we stand in honour and we give them plenty of time to respond. But these people are so egotistical and so convinced that they have total power, they will ignore it, but not anymore. So this person that I have now filed a civil suit against ignored me. So I took my affidavit to the Supreme Court. I paid my fee after they accepted it. They did the paperwork. And yesterday I served that civil suit on the person who has aggrieved me. Now, if the amount of money is more than $800,000, you file it with the Supreme Court. If it's less than that, you file it with a county court or a magistrate. But the fact is, once you have that affidavit signed and sealed by two JPs, you have a lawful financial instrument that can be acted on. Now, all I have to do now, since I've served that Supreme Court order on my transgressor, I just have to sit back now and wait for her to decide what to do. She's been summoned to the Supreme Court next month if she decides not to pay me. So she then will have to come to court and defend herself. But since she has perverted the course of justice, and you can cite the laws that she's broken, Peter, then how is she going to defend herself? Section 80 of the Constitution is what I think you've alleged That's right. attempted to pervert. And That's it right. says that you must be tried in a state where you're found. Now, this woman decided to get a warrant from a judge, get you carted off to the Bastille, transported to Victoria, and you live in Queensland. Yes. And incarcerated for five days, six days. Six days, I think, every day that a person's unlawfully incarcerated and the judge can't arbitrarily incarcerate you attracts a liquidated penalty against the person who did it of i think it's about was two hundred and fourteen thousand two hundred, but i think it's gone up to two hundred and thirty three thousand, and that's per day and it'll soon go up to three hundred thousand in the new year now this is supposedly payable to the aggrieved person in his hands, it's regarded as income. So 47% of it, because you're right in the top tax bracket when you start getting that kind of money, 47% <laughs> of it <laughs> goes straight to consolidated revenue. So our members of parliament, basically, who only get 200000 a year, just a standard ordinary member, that's if you're not a minister or anything like that, they need to go and start asking some questions in the Parliament of the Attorney-General and saying, why are you not letting and ensuring the Australian courts will take these proceedings and give a judgment if a judgment is due or if the person says, I'm not guilty, give them a jury trial as has been our common law right since 1487. A judge cannot, since 1487, discharge an alleged criminal. Very good. All right, mate. Well, we now know how to do this, and it's underway, so we shall see the response. Just one more thing, though. You mentioned that we need these MPs, these representatives, to stand up in Parliament and start questioning the Attorney-General. We saw what happened when Rod Cullerton did that. 
It is clear that our governments through the UN are supporting a world government that will strip sovereignty, ensure international, not national, ownership by farms, by transnational agribusiness, corporations, branded TNCs. Before we take the word of a major political party who received large donations across the board from the big end of town, the foreign banks, duopoly, retailers and others, and then just accept their decision, we must be mindful of the consequences of their treacherous betrayal of our freedoms, our heritage and our constitutional rights. Did they ever, ever, ever discuss the terms and conditions with the Australian people? Did the government take the proposal to a referendum as demanded under the Constitution? No, they did not. It appears that all major parties live in hope that the Australian people will abandon their present democracy and their constitution and let today's politician formulate a new constitution based on the very imposts that they already forced on the people of this nation. In breach of our constitutional rights and all done without the consent of the Australian people through a referendum. When I attended Senate school recently, I was handed a Senate pack which contained a pocket edition of the Australian Constitution with the overviews and notes by the Australian Government Solicitor. Due to certain disgruntled malcontinence trying to remove me from the parliamentary poker table through section 44.2 of the Constitution and challenge my validity to stand here today as a senator in section 9 under disqualification, I began to read out and appreciate just what a powerful document our Constitution really is. It is the foundation document of our nation and clearly constitutes the Commonwealth of Australia. In this document lies the protection and rules that govern our rights and freedom. Before 1901, Australia was not a nation. From convention, the constitution was drafted and was then put to a vote by the people of the colonies in referendums. On reflection, I was faced with the obvious question why aren't we teaching our children the Australian Constitution in our schools? By doing so, our children would know their rights and understand and defend the Constitution that underpins our laws and freedoms. How would Australians know what is being taken from them if they were never taught about this great gift that they have? As raised in my inaugural question in this chamber, our courts have sidestepped their responsibilities under the Constitution and are currently acting in defiance of the foundation rule of this nation, the Constitution. I stand humbled and honoured to have been elected to this place and make a commitment that I will continue to defend and uphold the Australian Constitution as an elected senator, a one nation senator and part of a team that is destined to grow. As the people of Australia come to understand just what successive governments have traded away and then stand with us to reclaim it back. This nation stands at a minute to midnight, and our obligation to future generations is no less than those who have gone before us and we're prepared to do for us. And give a judgment, if a judgment is due, or if the person says, I'm not guilty, give them a jury trial, as has been our common law right since 1487. A judge cannot, since 1487, discharge an alleged criminal. Very good. All right, mate. Well, we now know how to do this, and it's underway, so we shall see the response. Just one more thing, though. You mentioned that we need these MPs, these representatives, to stand up in Parliament and start questioning the Attorney-General. We saw what happened when Rod Cullerton did that. 
what guarantees are there for any other politician? That's why they've got to stick together, because if they let the poor fellow who's got the courage to ask the question be isolated from the mob, then... I think we saw very clearly there that Pauline did not support Rod. Now, Pauline Hanson was instrumental in implementing it, actually, and that's a black mark against Pauline Hanson, and I don't care who knows it. Yeah, I agree. Life doesn't have to be this tough for the Australian people. My vision for Australia is to give Australians a future. This can be done very simply by having governments and laws adhering to the Constitution. I stand in this chamber with respect for all those who share this responsibility and privilege as senators. I challenge each and every one of remember section, section 51 of the Constitution states that the parliament exists to make laws for peace and order and good government. I put Australia and this chamber on notice. It is time those elected to the Senate did exactly that. There is an answer and a simple fix. Bring back the Constitution and bring back our real laws. All right, mate. Thank you very much. Very good knowledge again. Thanks for sharing. Good on you, mate. You take care. You too. Have a Merry Christmas. You too, mate. Cheers. And now, a word from our sponsor, who helps keep these podcasts going. If you're enjoying the Bloody Aussie Battler podcast, please consider donating to help keep us going. You can donate just once or make it a monthly donation. Any amount is welcome. To donate, go to our website at www.thebloodyaussiebattler.com and click on Donate. Peak Dawn is proud to announce the launch of a series of online learning courses that have been developed in collaboration with common law expert Mike Holt. So if you want to learn about how to protect your rights, what common law is, or indeed the depth of common law courts and how you can use them in your local community to seek justice, sign up at the link below.